Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So, um, how many of you are Marvel fans? You love the Marvel franchise, Captain America, yeah, all that good stuff. Uh, How many of you can't stand Marvel and you'd rather I not talk about it here on Sunday morning? There we go. So I had a dream last night that, that I was in here on a Sunday morning, and, and a lot of you did something that really upset me. I don't know what it was, but I got really mad, and I said, well, if you don't like this church, you can just leave. And everyone got up and left. So I'm going to be really nice to you this morning. I don't know why I had that dream last night. But I want to do just a little clip from, from the Marvel franchise, particularly Captain America. And if you don't know this, I think you'll still enjoy this illustration. Captain America, and by the way, this is not history. This is sci-fi, okay, just to be absolutely clear. Captain America was uh, genetically engineered back in World War II and through a series of events got frozen in the ice for 70 years until he was found and resuscitated. And in um, Captain America Winter Soldier, he meets Sam for the first time, or he meets Falcon. You know that scene where they're running in Washington, D.C., on your left, on your left. And and they get to know one another, they meet one another, and, and Sam says to Captain America, who's been a capsicle for 70 years, he says, listen... If you want to know everything you've missed, then, then listen to Marvin Gaye's soundtrack called Trouble Man. And Captain America does this. He goes, I'll put it on the list. So he's keeping a list of all the things he missed while he was on ice over 70 years. And if you pay attention, just for about a second and a half in this movie, you see his handwritten list of the things he's told he's missed over the last 70 years that he really needs to pay attention to. I did a screen grab of it. I Love Lucy tops the list. That would not be on the top of my list, right? So it's I Love Lucy, the moon landing, he missed that, the Berlin Wall both going up and down. Y- you see disco? No, no, you didn't miss anything if you, if you went through the disco phase. But I really want you to pay attention to, notice it says Star Wars, slash that out, Star Trek. If it's good enough for Captain America, it's good enough for me, all right? I'm just making a point. Uh, and then what's wrong with Rocky, chap- Rocky Part 2, you know? So, so as I see this list, and again, it was just a, a momentary picture of what's missed over the last 70 years, two things kind of came out. Number one, there's so much. You know, if you tried to, to express what he's missed in 70 years, there's so much. But the second emotion is this. It's so sad that he missed it all. He missed all of these things. He just heard about them. So the reason this stuck in my mind is um, I've been a studier and a teacher of the Scripture for 30 years. But one thing that I've done is I've always avoided the book of Hebrews because it's hard. In fact, for me, it's more difficult than the book of Revelation. I think the book of Revelation is a lot easier to understand once you understand its context. The book of Hebrews is just difficult. But as I've dug into it the last year or so, there's so much here. And we're going to see some of that today. And I also feel like that I've been negligent. It's kind of sad that I've missed this all this time. So hopefully through, through the teaching that we're doing this summer, you'll, you'll see just a little bit of a snapshot of, of faith in Christ that we might otherwise neglect, that we might miss because we're reading other easier-to-read books of the Bible. This is a challenge. And the book of Hebrews is uh, an exhortation. That means it tells us some hard truths that we really need to hear. 
For instance, I believe the whole book opens up with this idea that Jesus tells us everything that is knowable about God. If you're looking for God, Jesus tells us everything that is knowable about the eternal and everlasting God. We're also told in Hebrews, be careful about drifting away. Pay attention to your faith, because if you don't, you will drift. There seems to be this pull in our world away from God. And then we're also told, fix your thoughts on Jesus. So many things are distracting. They can cause disagreements and disruptions. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. To understand Hebrews, though, and I said this last week, we need to understand the Older Testament Exodus. And that's going to come into play, particularly in chapter 4 that we're going to look at here in just a moment. So God did this great deliverance, people coming out of slavery. And they had to slog across the wilderness for 40 years, and then they went into the promised land. But even though God gave great deliverance, there's also great danger between your rescue and the final home that we would call heaven, okay? So we're in the middle of this right now. God has delivered us from sin, but there's still great danger if we are not careful. Abraham Lincoln, before he ran for any public office, was visiting a Louisiana slave market. And he bought a slave, not because he approved of slavery, but because he disliked slavery. A woman was on the auction block, and he happened to have just enough money to buy her. And when she came off the auction block and he took possession of her, he said, you're free. And it didn't register with her. And she goes, what do you mean free? You're, you're free. She said, free to be anything I want to be? Yes, free to be anything you want to be. Free to do whatever I want to do? Yes, free to do whatever you want to do. Free to go wherever I want to go? Yes, you are free to go wherever you want to go. And she said, then I'm going with you. <laughs> Don't you think that ought to be the bent of our life? That God delivers us from slavery. And so more than anything else, we want to hang on, we want to hold on, we want to stick close to Him until we experience that freedom, until we finally get into the promised land. But it's so easy to drift away and to lose that first love. So it's that picture of the exodus. Deliverance, until we finally get to our destiny, there's some danger here in between. So Hebrews chapter 4, I think this is a great example of why I've avoided Hebrews all of these years. We're going to read this passage. If you get lost, it's okay. You're on your own. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll hopefully kind of explain it to us as we go through. So this is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. You have to keep in mind the Exodus story, uh, the deliverance, the journey, the destiny. Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. And he's referring here back to the Exodus, back to people who were given the good news of coming out of slavery. Theirs was physical, ours is spiritual. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declare an oath of my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day God rested from all his works, and again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. 
Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who have formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, are you lost yet? God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. First Joshua had given them rest. God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work just as God did from his. Here's the big verse. Here's the exhortation. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So one of my keys in interpreting and understanding the Scripture is always to look for words and phrases that repeat themselves. You've heard me say that before. In this passage, the word rest is used nine times. If there's any Ferris Bueller fans in the room, nine times, all right? Nine times this shows up again and again and again. So that's the key point. I would say that the theme of this passage, as difficult as it may be, and we'll unpack it here in a minute, is peace. Something that we are promised in Christ and something that's possible for us. And it's so sad if we miss this. We have the promise and the potential of having peace, which is a rarity in our world. So I always like to define what exactly are we talking about. When we talk about peace or the word the writer uses here is the word rest. Um, pastor, years ago, he wrote this little story about his daughter drifting off to sleep, and he was tucking her into bed. And she was falling asleep faster than what he could kind of get her situated. She was drifting off. She said, Daddy, go away. I'm so tired. I'm pretending that I'm a melting ice cube. And she just fell asleep. Doesn't that sound good? How many of you have felt like a melting ice cube this week in a, in a house with no AC? That's just a beautiful picture. That's not a definition, but it's a picture of that complete and total rest. And here's what the writer does, and this is difficult to unpack, but, but you see it here. Once you see it, then, then you can't unsee it. The writer here talks about three different kinds of rest. He talks about creation rest, Canaan rest, and Sabbath rest. And each one of these play into how we can experience peace in our life. So first of all, he talks about creation rest. God, after He created for six days, He rested on the seventh. Here's the deal. We can have peace, we can have rest knowing that God is the creator of the world and He's the creator of us and He is the authority of all things. We have rest when we finally realize that. In fact, it, it kind of bothers me whenever I talk to a, a fellow Christian and they'll say, I'll say, how are you doing? They go, well, I'm, I'm good under the circumstances. Listen. If you're a follower of Christ, you are not called to live under circumstances. You are called to live under Christ. You're not under the authority of things that happen. You live under the authority of the one who created you. And so part of peace, part of finding rest is understanding God made the world and He controls it. Now, I may not like what's happening right now, but I rest under His authority. In fact, it was Watchman Nee who said, the soul that comes under the authority of the Holy Spirit is a restful one. 
when we finally realize God's the creator, he's the authority, it's all going to be okay. So there's that creation rest. The writer also mentions the Canaan rest, meaning that these former slaves go into a promised land, and that was physical, that was historical. For us, it's also a parallel, it's, it's also a reality, but it's a spiritual promised land. In other words, that first rest talks about God being our creator. This rest is about Jesus being our savior. And then if we can trust him with our eternal destiny, don't you think we can trust him with what is happening in our daily lives? So I really do appreciate Tim Keller Uh, before he passed away, he wrote about peace. He wrote about rest. And he said there are two ways to find peace. One is called a stupid peace. Sorry, parents, if you don't like to use that word in your house. I just gave you problems this afternoon. But we all know what a stupid peace is, that we're at peace only because we're not thinking about all the troubles that we have. And you might go to the Caribbean and you might put a margarita in your hand. And as long as you don't think about all the problems, you'll have peace. But that's a stupid peace. That's an ignorant peace. But there's also a smart piece. And a smart piece is when you fully understand all the challenges in life. But you also know that Jesus Christ is greater than those. And if he can save your soul, he can also watch over your life. As as Scout put it up here, uh, sorry, as as, uh, Oliver put it up here just a minute ago, do you hear him? I trust in God. He healed my dad of cancer. That's pretty good, right? If we trust him with our eternity. I think we can trust Him with our lives as well. So there's the creation piece, there's the Canaan piece, and then there's the Sabbath rest that's also mentioned here. So one day in every seven, and God put this a part of the big Ten Commandments, rest. Stop. Stop working. The world can go on without you. And I hate to put this so crudely, and I guess I don't or I wouldn't put it this way. If you think the world can't go on without you, try dying sometime. Because when you do, the world will go on without you. And we remember that the world does not depend on us. And so we take this Sabbath, we take a break every week because we realize the world is fully capable of going on without us. And we recharge and we refuel. So do you see it? The creation piece is about God being the authority over our life. He's our creator. The Canaan piece is about Jesus Christ being our Savior. And this Sabbath rest, the Sabbath peace, is about the Holy Spirit being our sustainer. F.F. F. Bruce, one of the most brilliant New Testament theologians before he passed away, he translated 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, um, where the presence of the Lord is, there is freedom. He translated it. Where God is present, the heart is set free. It's sad when we miss this. And one of the promises of being a follower of Jesus is peace, is rest. I often do this, but I'm just going to pray over you with my eyes open today. You don't bow your heads. I pray peace over you today. I pray peace over your families. I pray peace over your work situation. I pray peace over the chaos going on in your head. Peace is available to you. Peace. But that's not where the writer ends. There's also something else that's 
available to us, and it's sad that we miss out on it. First, a story. Muhammad Ali, love this account. Muhammad Ali is flying across country. He's at the height of his fame as a, as a boxing champion. So he's flying across country. The plane is coming in for a landing. The stewardess go by and said, Mr. Ali, would you please buckle your seatbelt? And he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which she said, and Superman don't need no plane either. Okay. <laughs> That's the truth. And in, and in Muhammad Ali fashion, he laughed at himself and had a good time with it. It's important in life to understand your limitations, but it's also important in life to understand your source of power. It's interesting that this writer in Hebrews, no sooner does he talk about peace than he then turns and talks about power that's available to us, and it's sad if we miss it. This paragraph's a little easier to understand. Verse 12, for the Word of God, and this is not just talking about the Scripture, although the Scripture is a tangible source of this, I'm talking about everything God ever said, for the Word of God is alive, the Word of God is active, it's sharper than every, any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges thoughts and attitudes. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered, and if you're underlining, I would ask you to underline laid bare, we'll come to that in a minute, before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. So there's so much here, and it's sad that we miss peace. It's also sad that we miss the power that is ours as followers of Jesus. And part of our access to that power comes through God's Word. Again, the Word is ultimately Jesus. Jesus reveals everything that's knowable about God. The record of that revelation, God's Word, is also right here in the Scripture. And we have access to this as a source of power. Uh, I've been going through uh, sermons from the past 23 years, and I'm just kind of calling through, hey, I want to keep that. I might use that in the future. Now I'm going to get rid of that. I won't use that again. Just kind of calling through. More than once, I've stumbled on a, a message that I gave years and years ago, and I read somebody's email that they had sent to me. So I printed that out, had it with my notes. A couple of times as I come across these old emails, it's been people who have since passed away. And so I'll take that email, instead of just throwing the copy away, I'll mail it to the widow or to the widower or to the kids, say, hey, I came across this old note. I thought you'd like to have it. And maybe you've experienced that. You've found something from someone who has passed away. And just for a moment, it's as though they are alive again. And it's precious what they have to say. Listen, God is very much alive. And he has some things that he wants to say to us. The trouble is we have to, we have to make our ears listen to this. And so let me encourage you. And I, I don't want to be that kind of pastor to make you guilty for not reading your Bible. But I also don't want to be the kind of pastor to say, ah, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. This is important. If you want to be alive spiritually, you need to have a regular diet of taking Scripture into your life. Here again, I'll mention my midweek update. I pretty much spoon-feed two chapters at a time. as a very simple way of reading Scripture and understanding it as you go. Use it if you need to. But I would encourage you to do five things with the Scripture. First of all, hear it. When we read it on Sunday morning, that's the most important time of our worship encounter, is hearing what God says. Second thing, read it for yourself. There's nothing like putting your eyes on the page and reading it. 
I would also encourage you to pray the Scripture. If you don't know what to pray, I think we have a whole prayer book right here in front of us. Uh, This morning, I, I read Psalm 48 before I left the house, and the very last line, it says, it is Him who leads me. Just that one little line at the end of Psalm 48, it is He who leads me. And I thought, that's a pretty good prayer to tuck away today. God, I want it to be you who leads me, right? So hear it, read it, pray it, study it. To take time to use reliable resources, and if you need some of those resources, I'll be happy to point you in the right direction, but to study the Scripture for yourself. And then, once you get to that point, you should also be memorizing it because the Scripture is alive. And when we put God's Word inside us, we become alive as well. Not only is the Scripture, not only is God's Word alive, it is also active, meaning it's not dormant. It has this sense of energy to it. How many of you think that in the next month, every Tulson should be required to take a course on how to execute a four-way stop And I would like to teach that course, okay? Now, you see what just happened? You were alive up until the time I told you that, but all of a sudden you became active, right? Some of you just had a closer experience with Jesus than at any other time in this worship gathering, just right there, right? It was was active. You woke up, right? It's what the Scripture does. It wakes us up to reality that's around us. It's what God's Word does, alive, active. And then it gets into this language, it divides soul and spirit, joint and marrow, thoughts and judgments. What in the world is that? Here's what happens. When God's Word gets on the inside of us, we stop reading it, it starts reading us. And it begins to get in those little places that we'd rather God not go and begins to change our entire personality, but we've got to listen. It's a sad thing if we miss out on God's peace. It's also sad if we miss out on God's power. So for those of you who feel overwhelmed and helpless, you don't know what to do, I pray God's power over you today. It's available. You are not helpless. You are dependent, but you are not helpless. It's a sad thing when we miss out on the power of the Lord. So as this passage ends, again, there's so much here. God's peace, God's power, it's available to us. Uh, It kind of ends with this idea um, and these words. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before Him. I told you to underline that or invited you to. That's a very interesting Greek word, and I don't use a lot of Greek in my teaching except when it's a good picture. This is a good picture. That phrase, laid bare, means to expose the neck. And here's the picture. If you've ever had a child who's in trouble and they come up to you and they're down like this and you're standing up over them, what do you do? You take their head and you expose the neck and make them look you in the eye. It reminds me of Ted Williams, greatest hitter in all of baseball, best batting average in the history of the major leagues. When he would go into a slump, and by the way, even Ted Williams would go into a slump. 
It was probably the batting average of an average player, right? But he would go into these slumps, and he would ask how he got himself out of a slump, and he just said this. He said, the temptation when you're in a slump is to swing harder. He said, what I've learned how to do is change my stance. Maybe life is overwhelming. You don't have a lot of peace. You don't have a lot of power right now. The thought is, I'm going to try harder. Just change your stance. Just let God turn your face toward His and listen. Because ultimately, if we don't have peace, if we don't have power, boy, it's sad that we miss out on those things. There's so much there. But how much more if we miss out on the God who created you, the Savior who saved you, the Holy Spirit who empowers you for Him to be present in your life? Don't miss out on Him. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.